Hello, stackers. This is Rhett, the Dungeon Master for Stack of Dice, and with me is... Thane, who plays as Peter Greyhawk. As I noted at the end of our last episode, the one that cut off to uh, make way for the second half that will come in a couple weeks, we are going to have a couple weeks of filler content, and this week we are going to focus on random encounters. Mm. Can you tell me a bit about random encounters, Thane? Random encounters are honestly some of the best things, in my opinion, because you can really throw a lot of stuff in there that don't really need to go anywhere, really. I mean, they, they're great for creating maybe like your first adventure hook for something or, or a hook for some kind of little side plot if, if you really want to. I think it's also a neat way to really throw in some kind of neat character concept that you have in mind but haven't really fleshed out enough to make into a fully developed lasting character to kind of give players a you know maybe a, a little impression uh, or some kind of story to tell afterwards about the time I met Bob the Bumbling Magician on the road between you know Snow Mountain and Green Valley. Yeah, so hold on to that idea. I'd like to revisit it. But I wanted to start with the standby, the tried and true. And for random encounters, that is usually just rolling up some monsters and throwing it at the party. Now, that has its benefits, such as what? Such as giving your players some free experience along the road and also kind of spices up basic travel. Instead of just saying, you guys set it on the road and in a couple of days you reach your destination. But no, maybe along the way, uh, as they set up for camp, then suddenly a, a band of hobgoblins pop out of the nearby hills and you know, attack them, which you know keeps them on their toes and also gives them a little bit of free experience that kind of progresses them a bit. Yeah, unless it turns deadly, in which case it's not free. At uh, least it keeps them on their toes. <laughs> the, the great thing about that particular approach, number one, it's easy. You roll against a table, you pull up some monsters, bang, you've got some filler material for an episode or a, a, a game session that you didn't have before. Yeah. And it's low thought. Mm-hmm. There's not really a lot of thought necessarily that goes into it. I won't say that it just doesn't at all. Yeah. Because some DMs are very good at working in weird details. Yeah. And for instance, your Hobgoblin example is great because with the roll of the dice, you've effectively added an element to the kingdom where the adventure is taking place because now they can't control the roads. So that says something about the rulers. Yeah. Hobgoblin raids are a thing, which means that there's like a kind of serious underlying threat of hobgoblins and maybe other goblinoid species in the realm. Or maybe the beginning. Or yeah, the beginning of one. Or, you know, like, like I said, being a great, you know, tie into subplots, this random encounter, you could really just roll with it and create a little sub-adventure where they have a whole layer in the hills and you go, you know, the players go in there and uncover some, you know, plot to attack some village or something like that. Or what if it's an advanced party of an approaching army? I very mean, true. So, I yeah, mean, all kinds this of could really get big very quickly. So, as you can see, I just, you know, spat off something off the top of my head and we're already coming up with small or even large adventures that could just sprout from... A random encounter. Yeah. Random encounters are great because they're a surprise to everyone, including the dungeon master. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, it can take the game in completely unexpected directions, and that can be bad. Or if everyone is on their toes, it can be very good. Yeah. Because it can enhance and enrich the story in ways that you couldn't have planned. Yeah. 
another way to use random encounters, because like I said, there's very little thought about that. You roll the dice, you see what comes up, and as long as it kind of makes sense for the area, you've got filler material. Yeah. Traveling in the deserts and suddenly a Yeti comes out of nowhere and starts attacking them, may want to roll again. <laughs> Maybe. Or you can have targeted tables based on terrain type. And I yeah. I know, for instance, uh, D&D Beyond has a filter where you can say what kind of terrain you're wanting to pull monsters for. Yeah, that's also, I think, also listed in the monster manual where mm-hmm. you can look at lists of where monsters usually are found. So we have that. But there are so many more things you can do with random encounters. And I think what I want to do is come up with some examples and we can talk through how we could use it as dungeon masters, how players might react Mm -hmm. and what kinds of things could come from little story hooks almost is what these amount to that could again, completely enrich your games and lead to some very memorable things that nobody expected. Definitely. So let's take a moment and think about a good random encounter. When Thane is not wielding his green book, he's wielding his blue book there's an old notebook from a couple of years back, actually. Yeah, and uh, you've jammed it with all sorts of ideas and possibilities, including apparently random encounters. That was almost like all of this book is full of. Yeah. And so, uh, number one, Dungeon Masters, especially new Dungeon Masters, carry a notebook with you. As ideas strike you, you can toss your ideas down on paper and come back later and try and figure out what in the world you were thinking about when you did it. But you'll capture gems and find ways to do stuff. So, Thane, as you're paging through your blue book, I'm going to throw one out there as a possible random encounter. And I'm thinking of a traveling circus might be a bit too big of an idea, but maybe, you know, kind of like an entertainment troupe. Okay. And their wagon has broken down on the side of the road. So maybe their wheel has gotten stuck or broken. And now they're trying to figure out what to do. They have a timeline. They're supposed to be out of town, and they don't have a way to get there now. All their equipment is loaded on this wagon, and they they need help. And so as the party is passing, you know, regardless of what the party is up to, you can make an appeal to their sense of duty or their sense of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, if you have some, you know, less good aligned characters, there's probably some money yeah. involved. Or renown or fame or we will write a song about you whatever the case may be and so i wanted to look at some ways that that might draw a party in and so we've talked a bit about motivation that forces the party to think about okay now how do can we salvage the wagon and so maybe they'll spend some time taking a look at it so maybe some dice rolls are involved to figure out just how badly damaged the wagon is pitching in and lifting it up and getting it unstuck or helping to fix the wheel if somebody has woodworking tools. So there's ways to approach it. And who knows, maybe a week down the line, they run into the same troop and they receive a warm welcome. Maybe it's not even a troop at all. Maybe they're posing as an entertainer troop and they're actually bandits. Again, little adventure hooks, you know, could lead much deeper than anybody anticipated. Yeah, but I mean, you could have so much fun with these people. You could give them all very big personalities that would instantly become memorable and maybe even endearing to the players as they are trying to help this group out. 
again, maybe they'll be able to return the favor at some point. I, I just think that could be a fun possibility. What do you have? So a lot of my random encounters that I came up with were primarily combat focused. Mm -hmm. One that I had was a commoner. Like just, you know, some average Joe dude with the commoner stats comes up to the party with a staff of frost and challenges a magic user in the group to a duel. And the thing is, He's able to use the um, the staff and cast all its spells, but he only does it randomly. And so every time it's on his turn, you roll a d6, and uh, you can cast one of the four spells that the Ray of Frost does, or nothing could happen, or you can you know, re-roll it. I don't know what exactly I would do with this. Well, you could have fun with the commoner, too. Yeah. Maybe it's just a, a kid who doesn't know any better. And so now you have to treat him very carefully. Yeah. And maybe pretend that he's doing a good job or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Or it could be somebody who thinks he's all that and, you know, you have to teach him a lesson. Mm. <laughs> so there's possibilities there. He will serve as a warning for others. <laughs> you put his uh, freeze dried body on display. <laughs> Ooh, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, there was cultists that I had. There was one including a character I made called Erevis the Inventor, who has trouble taming his auto-magical horse. This was not in any way inspired by Simmeries and his horses or anything. This was actually long before any of that. Hmm. But yeah, I, I even like made up stats for mechanical arcane horse. Isn't that something? Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I forgot about this. But yeah, all kinds, all kinds of neat stuff. So you can have your party run into people, and I think that's a very easy and good way to do things because people are everywhere. People are traveling, people are doing stuff, people need help. And so that's a quick and easy way to work a random encounter in. Can you think of any other... Hmm. Can you throw out another example of an NPC encounter? You have Darren, who is a traveling commoner. He just set out from his from his nearby farming village in search of adventure because he's got himself into some pretty deep debts and uh, farming is not going to get him the money he needs quickly enough or you know well enough and so he is basically been given no choice but to venture out into the big world in hopes that that he you know finds some better treasure and so the party could definitely take him on with their group and try and you know, help him reach his goal. And and so there's that, or they could leave him. He's got his father's sword, which is a pretty, pretty decent you know, magical weapon that may, uh, may influence some of the less good characters to maybe kill him and take the sword or try and get the sword from him. But yeah, otherwise he's got some pretty garbage stats. He's just got a nice sword. That's it. I had a funny idea. <laughs> oh dear. What's this funny idea? <laughs> what about a say the party's in town and somebody sees that they look very capable and he says, you know what? My pet cat ran off and I miss it so terribly, but she doesn't do well around people. So if I pay you a little bit of money, would you be willing to go get her and bring her back in a cage for me? And so they go out and they find this cat or whatever the pet is and bring it back only to find out later that it wasn't that person's pet. It was his neighbor's, and it was an annoying pet. <laughs> and so he was trying to get rid of it. Oh, no. <laughs> you can have far-reaching consequences, however so trivial. Maybe, so maybe as, you know, as the neighbor 
you know, this guy gives them the quest, and they're kind of going along, and, and the neighbor comes up as like, you know, hey, what you guys doing in town? And they're like, oh, we're looking for this cat. Describe him. And so they describe him, and he's like, that's my cat. No, don't do it. And so then the players have to make a choice. You know, because there's, there's clearly kind of rivalry going on. And so which voice do they do they trust? Or let's or, say they carry through with the quest. They deliver it to the original requester. And then down the line, the actual owner of the pet decides to press charges. And now the local lord is looking for the party for a rather trivial case. But still, there's a notoriety about the party, and that could be a lot of fun. <laughs> and the party continues to evade it, and so they become so you know even though they save the universe, they became <laughs> they become known in that village as kind of disturbers of the peace. Yeah, because they you know, didn't they <laughs> you know outlaws they've avoided <laughs> legal consequences for a cat napping. <laughs> Or whatever. Yeah, I think that could be a lot of fun. Oh my, that's, that's awesome. All right. So we have people. What about places? Mm. Can places be random encounters? Definitely. My first thought is that Stone Crown place. Um, as, as we were <laughs> first setting foot out of Arden. Uh, Stone Crown. I mean, I know it wasn't entirely a random encounter because it's kind of there on purpose. But still, just, you know, at the time, we thought it was just kind of a random place. It's just this... Kind of like a Stonehenge-type structure on a hill off the road. You know, we start going towards it, and then we all start absolutely tripping out. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we, we all kind of remember that. But yeah, so places are good. and yeah. So cool. let's think of some examples of place random encounters. I think a great one is the quiet, sinister village on the mountainside. Mm. It's a, a dark and stormy night. Your party has had a long day on the trail, and they're trying to get from one place to another, and this village just happens to be along the way. There's no other shelter. Maybe even kind of like pops up out of nowhere. Like, you know, the players, if the players were actually paying attention, they'd be a little bit more on edge. Maybe it's, uh, you know, you go in and everyone is just, there, there's a watchful silence Yeah. in the common room. Or maybe there's a smell almost like a, a rotting meat smell hanging in the air or whatever. Mm. You could have any kind of environmental effects involved, but the place becomes the focus of interest because now yeah. what what is up with this place? Yeah, why are you the way that you are? <laughs> ruins are a oh, great one. Oh my goodness, ruins. They, can, they are oftentimes overplayed for you know what they can contribute because... If you ever want a good excuse to just kind of like shove some kind of old artifact or something like that, you usually just slap some ruins, you know, some broken columns, a couple arches, maybe a um, a tumble down central temple of some sorts, where wherein the artifact that the players are looking for is is housed. Another possibility is. As a DM, you can treat this as a chance to add some history into your world. Definitely. If you've been doing some planning and you've been scrabbling for a way to introduce this in an organic, natural-feeling way, maybe you could have a shredded tapestry hanging on a wall or an inscription or any number of things built into the ruin so that the players in poking around and exploring begin to uncover more about the world that you put so much time into residents resident spirits that write it on the walls as the players come in that would be absolutely great 
maybe as they sleep at night in the shelter of the ruins. In their dreams. There, or, or maybe they wake up to see that there's a spectral table that is formed in what was once the Great Hall, and then they can hear a conversation between people. Oh, my there. goodness. You know, you could really have a lot of fun. And so we're making this stuff up as we yeah. go. And we're just bouncing ideas like we like to do on these creation oh, corner yeah. episodes. Definitely, definitely, is but, what I'm here. For. But we're we're just trying to come up with anything really that will fit into the idea. Definitely. And uh, in addition to ruins, I think another good random encounter location is like kind of where one of the elemental planes is leaking into the material plane, stuff like that, where some otherworldly forces aren't exactly the main focus or they can be but they don't have to be some mm-hmm. otherworldly forces just kind of poke in to you know, again convey a sense of depth to the world that there's more than what's going on in this world and even if it's not entirely important in this adventure yeah. it's there and you can as a dm it's best to have your antenna up at all times as you throw something at them and you reveal more about a world whether it's history or as Thane mentioned supernatural events going on monitor your players reactions if they're getting excited about it that should get your dm senses jangling and you should be thinking hmm now what can i do with that to work into the story more clearly you know it's a good story aspect you've hit a mark and your players are reacting to it go with it yeah you may not do anything more with it this game but next game, having had time to prepare, yeah, definitely build it in, start working it in, and really get them more excited about that aspect of the game. So it's a great way to test things too. Yeah, random encounters can be an excellent way to throw different things at your players and really see what sticks. Yeah, it's it's, it's a great way to test things. Like I said earlier, character concepts that you you know don't feel like fully fleshing out or haven't quite done that yet or uh, don't want to until you know how your players would respond to them. You know, for all intents and purposes, you could throw a, a, a concept character in a random encounter at one group to see how they respond, and then accordingly ingest that for maybe another group as a more permanent character. Yeah. But one of the great things I like about random encounters is that they really, you know, expand your world. What I, what I think they're, they're good at doing is really giving the impression that there are more entities at work in the world than the players and the antagonists. Yeah. Sorry. We're going to skip back to people. I love the idea of a rival adventuring party. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that, like that, that's so that's, you know, just times where they meet and they, you know, they clash and yeah. then they go apart and, and both and bonus points. If, the character types are the same in both parties or maybe opposites or something like or that. Or opposites, but you know, just something to really, I hate those guys oh. or, or you get to a town because you've heard that there's a need for some help. Yeah. We need heroes and, <laughs> and they've already done it. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you make the, the trip, you've paid the expense of getting out there. You find, only to find that you're a day late. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> oh. oh my I need. We, we need to do that. <laughs> that would be a lot of that would fun. Be so cool, or like some kind of treasure hunt adventure. Yeah, where and you're racing against. You kind of kind of get a little bit of an Indiana Jones type feel to it, where you've got, you know, the main party who is looking for the for the treasure, and then the other party, and they just kind of spar back and forth as they reach the climax that is the final treasure. Yeah, and I've heard if if you're a dungeon master running multiple games, a really fun idea I heard some time ago was you have two different parties. 
yes. and you're playing in the same game. And so as the DM, I run game A on Monday mm-hmm. and game B on Friday. And the A group goes through and does stuff. And then I work some of what they do into the B game and vice versa. And so they're hearing, oh, this party has done this. This party has done this. And so maybe they're reacting differently based on what the first group has done and vice versa. Even better if you can, you know, in the, in the final confrontation, get both groups together at the same time, which is nearly yes. impossible if you look at the jokes on, on D&D forums <laughs> about trying to get at least one group together. Getting yeah. two groups together would be difficult, but would <laughs> definitely be so cool. Yeah, that'd be, and it'd be even better if, your players didn't know that you were running two different games. Oh, <laughs> they walk in, they're like, who are these people? And the people are sitting down and like, who are these? Wait, who? <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a little bit of a backtrack to the people section. Definitely. I want to move forward to things. So people, places, and now things. What kinds of things can you create as random encounters? Obviously, Lord of the Rings, you have the ring. Oh my God. You have the magic swords. <laughs> the most random encounter of all. <laughs> I love the idea of quite literally something falling out of the sky. Oh. What about a meteor come screaming through the sky and land maybe a half mile away from where the party is? It contains a cosmic boot. Or whatever. You know, it could be just the most random thing. And when they get there, part of the mystery is... What even is this? What do we do with this? Is it safe to touch? Ooh. Yeah, those kinds of things. Uh, you could really have a lot of fun with that. And again, you're just throwing little hooks out there and then you sit back and you let the players decide what how they're going to approach it. It's fishing. It's literally fishing. What bait works, what bait doesn't. I think one of the greatest benefits of being a dungeon master is if you're doing it right, it's not as hard as most people make it out to be. Definitely. You set the stage, and then you sit back and let the players react to what you have set out, what you have laid out. And if you've explained it clearly and given them enough to work with, then your job is pretty much done. Yeah, You can start thinking about, okay, what's going to happen over here? Let the players discuss, let them chew on it, let them mm-hmm. revel in the problem-solving aspect. And then as they come closer to a solution, or at least a a way forward, whether or not it's right, (laughs) then you start to pay attention again. Okay, now, how are you going to do this? And then then you can start to engage your senses in what roles are involved, what rules do I need to apply to the situation, that kind of thing. And of course, as a dungeon master, the game is your game and the player's game. And so the rules don't always have to apply. If, If the story would be better off without the rules... You know, as as is even said in the books, you know, ditch the rules. Absolutely. Yeah, great point. How about another thing, random encounter? Hmm. A random stranger, maybe maybe some guy who, you know, seems crazy, you know, the players are on a road and you have this this old beggar who's just kind of stumbling down the road. Maybe he's got a twitch in his eye, he's talking to himself, and um he he sees one of the players and you just points at him and says, You I have something for you. You know, comes over and gives him, I don't know, a handkerchief or something, and then promptly dies. Oh, I was thinking very much the same thing. You're in an alleyway or, or something in a city, and someone pops out of nowhere, presses something into your hand, and then just runs off. Yeah. 
what happens next? Yeah. Is it a stolen item? Yeah, may, is may, it yeah, do people come after you yeah. with, with the object, or you know, does does it have some kind of inherent power? What, what is it useful for? Yeah, or is it just nothing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be anything, and that's the beauty of all this. To see, first of all, what are your players? How do they react? And while while they're figuring things out, you can use that time. It's basically free time for you to then start thinking. Okay, what do I need to be thinking ahead yeah. on? What I think. You know, I've I've never really had much of an experience with this, but I can imagine that one of the greatest feelings, you know, as being a DM, is posing a situation to your players and just just being able to just sit back and watch them discuss amongst themselves as they weigh the the decisions and consequences of taking one course of action or another. Or, Especially when they really start digging out notes about the lore, you know. But, but what what about the silver spoon of Azeroth? You know, what do we what do we do about that? You know, what, what happens if we mix it with you know this potion? Yeah, we, we know about the laws of alchemy in this world, as provided in the sixteen page doc that our DM shared with us. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you can really do a lot of fun things, and again, we've shared some interesting ideas in a very short amount of time. Yep, you are welcome. And if we had taken another 30 minutes, I'm sure we could have come up with plenty more. Most definitely. One of the great things about you know, really having somebody to bounce your ideas off of is that they get even better. You know, making ideas up on your own can be pretty good. But if you, if you have somebody else to really you know, play ping pong with, that's even better. Absolutely. Especially if you're actually playing ping pong. Well, Stackers, we want to thank you for joining us for this short, but hopefully helpful creation corner episode on random encounters if you are creating random encounters for your games we'd love to hear about them how do you approach it what kinds of things have you come up with share your ideas with us on twitter and instagram at stackodice or by email at stack.o.dice at gmail.com as i mentioned earlier and in the previous episode at the end this week of course is the random encounters special content episode next week After we get back from a trip, Thane and I are going to take some time to follow up our city's Creation Corner episode, and we're going to do the timeline map that we were talking about, where we'll draw out a town and then build it up as and talk about the process, too. We'll describe what we're thinking and how the town grows. Maybe it'll become a city. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. And we'll kind of just build up a settlement based on a piece of paper that we're scribbling on. And that's going to be a lot of fun. And then the following week, at last, we are going to have the conclusion to our second season. And we're going to, after that, take a well-earned break. It's been an extended season. It's been (sighs) such a wild time with all this disease stretching things out. We were hoping to be done in May. (laughs) And here it is July. Yeah. So we are going to probably be on hold, I'm going to guess, until about October. Gotcha. But in the meantime, we are going to have other special things coming up on, a, on an unstructured basis. So be on the lookout for that, and we'll try and share things through our social media presences about what's coming up and what you can be on the lookout for. We want to thank you for listening to our show. We know it's a little show. We know we're not big budget, but we're having a lot of fun putting it together, and we want to thank you for giving us time for listening to us and enjoying our story, sharing your thoughts as we go. We've appreciated the comments that we've gotten from stackers. Definitely. 
Oh, it's so awesome whenever we get reviews that we get to read in episodes. Yeah. Ugh, love that. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah. It takes just a little bit of your time, but it sure leaves us feeling happy. Yep. And we appreciate the genuine feedback that you give us. So thank you for all the time that you've put into listening to our show, enjoying it, maybe even drawing pictures or writing stories. We've had both from folks, and so we appreciate that. And we want to thank you, and we'll see you here again next time right here at Stack of Dice. We're off to a roaring start. Random encounters.